It's the end of a busy day. You just saw 15 patients, but instead of heading home for dinner with your spouse or playing with your kids, you now begin your night job, charting. Charting is critical and necessary, but it steals your focus from your patients, eats away at your time with your family, and keeps you up at night. The burden of always having another chart to complete drains every clinician. Freed is an AI medical scribe that makes charting go away. Freed listens, prepares your notes, and writes patient instructions for you. Charting is done before your patient walks out of the room. But wait, it gets even better. Freed learns your style over time just like a human scribe would, except that it will never quit on you. Freed is loved by over 3,000 clinicians from every specialty. It is HIPAA compliant, takes 30 seconds to learn, and costs only $99 per month. You can try Freed for free right now by going to freed.ai. Listeners of Financial Residency can use the FR50 coupon code for $50 off the first month. Financial Residency is proud to bring you Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. Each week, Tammy Krause explores a new topic related to achieving financial independence by building and protecting your wealth. She invites guests who are experts in their fields who will share honest and valuable advice on a variety of topics. If you have an idea for a podcast, please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-Y, at financialresidency.com. Now grab your front row seat to this week's Grand Rounds. Hi, and welcome back to Grand Rounds. Student loan repayment recently resumed for many physicians, and we've had several questions from listeners about budgeting, strategizing for payoffs, and the pros and cons of loan consolidation. So I've invited James Nutter to join me today. He's a financial planner with IM Wealth, and he works primarily with physicians. Welcome to the show, James. Yeah, Tammy, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be there. And hello to everybody that's out there listening right now. I'm grateful for your time. I know that's the most valuable thing you have. I think you're right. Time, I've come to learn as I get older, is so much more valuable than than anything else in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. That could be a podcast in and of itself. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, I recently read a statistic that 73% of medical school graduates have educational debt. And the average that was published, oh, just a couple of months ago, was like $250,995. This is just such a huge burden for a new grad getting started with their new job. And it really sounds like they'd have to keep living like a resident just to try and get on top of that debt. Do you do a lot of counseling and financial planning with your doctors around the student loan type stuff? We absolutely do. I mean, I will say it's not the sole focus of what we do with our clients, but of course, in specializing and working with physicians, totally understand that Americans as a whole, there's not a ton of money education out there. Even me who studied finance and accounting in college, I didn't really, I say I learned from like the school of hard knocks of being an entrepreneur in this business for the last eight years. And that again, too, especially with physicians, there's not a ton of real world money education. You're going through med school and taking out loans to fund your life and lifestyle. They don't really teach you like, hey, here's how to build a budget to know how much to take out. Here's how much to, here's how to start repaying them, right? And then you go into training and you're working a hundred hours a week, not being compensated accordingly. And then all of a sudden, right, the, the switch is flipped and you make the jump to attending. And it's like, what do I do now? How do I become an adult? And you're super talented and specialized in what you do as your work as a clinician. 
but there really isn't a ton of education out there about how to make great decisions with loans, lifestyle goals, everything. So yeah, we see it all the time with our clients. And definitely I would say it is the number one source of just like overwhelm of with the clients that we work with. And I, I know there's a lot of course, like, you know, physician burnout being 42%. There's a lot blanked for a second. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of burnout that comes from like works, scribe, scribe work, pressure of seeing a ton of patients or whatever it might be. But as it relates to the money side of things, you know, we truly believe that loans and having to feel like you need to continue that life of like working hundred hours a week so you can make money to pay off your loans quick can lead, absolutely lead to uh, burnout. No doubt about it. I know there are so many options and I know you can't give advice because everyone's different, whether you work for profit or not for profit or own your own mm -hmm. company or whatever, but can you maybe talk to us generally about some of the things that are available um, to help pay off loans like consolidation, PSLF, those kind of things? Yeah, first and foremost, I would just share that, you know, everybody is unique. And I think we'll have the opportunity to maybe talk about this further. But, you know, your path in life and where you are and how much loans you have and how you see the world and your goals and your values and how you grew up and where you grew up, right, are different than the person sitting next to you in class and in med school or your, you know, colleagues in training or your colleagues as an attending. So I, I would just say first and foremost that everybody should really take a individualized unique approach if you can. I know it's really hard sometimes to do that because once again, there's not a, a lot of great advice out there. There's a lot of rules of thumb online, just like you would tell me to not Google, you know, my symptoms, which uh, <laughs> we were just talking about. I had an ulcer and on the cornea of my eye last week. And of course I Googled my symptoms and it freaked me out a little bit. Right. And it kind of ca can cause some like paralysis. Right. And I think it's very similar with physicians and their money is there's a, just a lot of different information out there, a lot of different opinions. I know that every physician is different and every circumstance is different. So you can't give blanket advice to everyone here, but can you maybe tell us a little bit about the generalities of loan payback, you know, loan consolidation, PSLF, the different options that people might have to get on top of that debt? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the first thing that I would say, first and foremost, just like you said, everybody listening to me right now, myself included, you, Tammy, we're all unique individuals, right? We all have different viewpoints about debt. We have different viewpoints about money. We have different viewpoints about society. We have different viewpoints about like cultures and how we grew up. You know, I feel like so much of our, even viewpoints of how we view the world today, whether it's, you know, religion or politics or whatever, but also money was kind of implanted and conditioned into us during our early years as like a child. So I, I would tell, I would also tell everybody to kind of take a, a unique approach and figuring out why you are the way you are about, you know, about your money, like asking yourself some tough questions or maybe those closest to you of like, where did I get my views surrounding my money? Are my parents like, did they absolutely hate debt? And is that why I view debt that way? How are my parents about money? Do I cling on to different views about money because of society and things like that? So I really would tell everybody to just take as much of an individualized approach as you possibly can. And also too, what I would share is that if I was experiencing some type of symptom and Tammy and I were just talking about this 15 minutes ago, I had an ulcer in the cornea of my eye last week. And of course I was a little freaked out. So I was Googling my symptoms. And when you do that, right, Google says I like, I could lose my eyeball. Like I might die, whatever it might be. And so I feel like <laughs> 
There's so many different, like if you were to Google what to do with my loans as a physician, there would be a ton of different like rules of thumb out there, live like a resident, whatever, follow this certain system, right? Choose this repayment plan versus that one, consolidate, don't consolidate. There's so much out there and I think it can cause paralysis. So I, I hate to say that everybody should take an individualized approach. I truly believe if you ask, like understand why you are the way you are about your money. And then also to talk with your loved one and your partner about what you value. Like we see a lot and live like a resident. It certainly works. You can pay off your debt fast, but a lot of our clients being, you know, physicians under the age of 45, we see a lot of them like I've already sacrificed my twenties and early thirties. Like I gave up my life. All my friends were buying houses, traveling all over the world, doing cool stuff, having babies, not that physicians in training and med school can't have babies, but you know, they've, a lot of them tell me like when they're starting as attendings that they feel behind their peers, right? And I feel like a lot of them are like, well, if I live like a resident for another five years, like I, I don't want to miss out on my 30s, like life is short. So live like a resident works, but sometimes we see clients, it's more of an unfulfilling path versus saying, okay, like what do we value in life? Whether it's travel, whether it's buying our dream house, whether it's setting our kids up for college and clearly defining goals as a family of like, okay, when realistically do like, when realistically do we want our loans paid off? Is it three years? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? When do we want to help pay for kids college? When do we want to retire? When do we want to buy like our dream house? When do like, so clear, have you clearly identified goals with price tags and deadlines on them? And then from there, kind of choosing a path that I would say you feel most comfortable and confident with as a human, and obviously that's easier said than done. But you know, I think general, what we see is there's the mathematically correct way to pay off your loans, which is would be like the live like a resident mindset. And that's just like, continue to live like a resident and don't travel and don't live your life. And every additional dollar you make as an attending goes to paying down loans, which works, I would say about, we work for about 67 physician clients right now. And I'd say about maybe like 15% of them take that approach just because they can't stand the debt hanging there. But what we find with the other 80% is that they say, if I did that, like I would burn out. I literally mm -hmm. like, I've given up so much of my life. I can't choose that path, right? So then there's the other side of the equation, right? There's the mathematical side and there's like the side that's like very value-based and gut-based. And I always ask my clients too, you know, the mathematical correct solution is not always going to be the path that you choose. And this might be contrary. I'm, people out there listening to me right now are probably going to be like, what is he talking about? But I really think you got to make decisions based on you and your values as a family and what you want. Because if, you know, every physician lived like a resident and it works, right? But it's like a one-time solution versus taking a step back and figuring out how you want to live your life as a family. So I feel like most of our clients at 80% kind of choose like a half and half between mathematically correct, but not giving up life, kind of like listening to their gut. And I'll often ask clients like, what's going to make you sleep better at night? Like, let's say we're talking to a brand new attending. What's going to make you sleep better at night? Is it knowing that you're just hammering your loans and paying them down as quickly as you possibly can in two or three years? Or is it finding a balance where you can live your life do the things you enjoy in life, set up yourself for the future by putting money into different retirement plans, investment accounts, savings, things like that, saving for your dream house, all those different kinds of things. So once again, I know everybody probably wants like the magic pill, but there really isn't a magic pill. I think it's a really unique individualized experience. 
for everybody. And I would just encourage you to ask yourself and your loved ones, like your spouse or partner, the people you make decisions with, the difficult questions of like, what do we want in this life? What do we value in this life? How do we want to live? I'd say unsubscribe from, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, Joneses, which I know is very difficult in our Instagram, compare and contrast FOMO culture that we live in. But I'm tangenting a bit here and I'll cut myself off. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about specific like PSLF and things like that. So I'd be, you know, if you want to dive into some of that too, I'd be happy to do that as well. But that's just a general approach of what we see works best. And you got to ask yourself, do I want the mathematically correct of just like paying down loans as quickly as possible? Or do I want a balance and being able to like live life and prioritize other goals and find a balance between the two? I like that approach. I think I ended up taking about 10 years to pay off my loans. And I was lucky enough that I work for a hospital that paid $150,000 of my loans for me. So that gave us a little bit of breathing room when we were trying to get on top awesome. of that. But I do remember first coming out of you know med school and residency when I learned that if I died, my debt just went away. And so I think, I don't know, something about <sighs> thinking about death, maybe a little grim. Yeah, um, but, absolutely. But it really did kind of change my mindset that, you know, maybe it's not worth working myself to the bone and facing burnout to get that debt paid down in two years. For me, it was worth living life and enjoying that time with my kids while they were still at home. I like your approach, mm -hmm. but that kind of fits in yeah. my values, I suppose. Thank you so much for that feedback. And it's great to hear it from someone like you doing, you know, doing what, the host of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of our viewpoints and where this came from, of course, is talking with a number of physicians and learning what's most important to them and what they value. But similarly, we had a physician client in their mid thirties pass away in 2020. Mm -hmm. And it was just a reminder that yes, we're financial planners and we help people plan for the future. But you got to live life today and you have to I enjoy agree. yourself within reason, of course, sure. right? You can't be like the lifestyle creep where you're living paycheck to paycheck and need to see more patients to like fund your lifestyle, right? It's kind of just balance. that like balancing act and figuring out what, you know, what you value most as a human. My, I had a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago and, and she said the most poignant thing to me. She said, I live life between YOLO or you only live once and fire, <laughs> And I love that statement. You know, she's trying to find the balance. She mm -hmm. wants to live today, but she also wants to plan for retirement so she doesn't have to work forever. Yeah, I just appreciated Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I actually listened to that earlier this week as I was oh, getting, getting around the car. And I, I got to feel out the vibe. So I, I heard that. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, I feel like it's just like a different um, world that we live in, right? For the long, and we're still like, we have some of that conditioning from our parents, grandparents, mm -hmm. great grandparents, and us of kind of that old school, like go work for Ford and get a pension someday, kind of that like save slave delay mindset, right? Versus today, it's a lot different where I think, you know, a lot of us, especially probably my generation too, the more millennial types want to be able to live and experience life while we're young instead of just saving it for retirement. Yeah. And some of our clients who are closer to retirement right now, they're looking at it and they're saying like, hey, I want to live now too, because I don't know how long I'm going to have my health. I don't know how long I'm going to be mobile, right? So I think it's just kind of a different mindset of a world we're looking in. And there's just been so much radical change in the world over the last like 15, like the iPhone wasn't even a thing like 20 years ago, which is like crazy to think about, right? So anyways. <laughs> well, let's dive down just a little bit and let's look at some of the different things concerned, you know, around the student loans. Let's mm -hmm. start with PSLF. 
So can okay. you just kind of give us the generalities about PSLF? Yeah, absolutely. So really fun story to share. And we actually have a free resource that I'll share how you can access that, that you can download. We have a PSLF hacks checklist for physicians and also like a master dashboard. So actually you can go to info.iamwealth.com forward slash PSLF and go get that for free. But yeah, so we, of course, I think PSLF came out, it was probably, I think around 2008, 2009, and over the years, right, there was a lot of like horror stories of like people getting to 120 payments and it not working out for them. And they're like, oh, crap, you know, what the heck do I do now? So really, we actually had a client this year, June of in June of 2023, had their loans completely forgiven, which really like ignited us to say like, okay, this is like actually legit. Let's interview them and let's build a system. Like if we were absolutely following it in the past, but it's like, okay, let's actually build a system around public service loan forgiveness. So for, for anyone out there who thinks that there isn't hope, there is, and I've witnessed it with my eyeballs. <laughs> but I will say it's absolutely a little bit of a tedious process, right? And I would say first and foremost, just understanding, like making sure that you're in the right repayment plan, right? So the income-driven repayment plans. And then also second, like does your employer qualify for PSLF? Are they a 501c3? And student.gov has some incredible tools that we discovered when we were building this uh, PSLF hacks checklist. So if you just Google PSLF employer search tool, you actually can go onto your tax return that you get from your employer, or you can reach out to HR human resources and ask them for their EIN number. And you can go plug that right in just to make sure that your employer qualifies for PSLF. So I'd say before you do anything else, like make sure your employer qualifies. And then I'd be happy, Tammy, I don't know, you know, it might take like five minutes or so to just go through some of maybe like the key points that we've gathered from our client in that checklist. Does that sound good to you? Absolutely. Okay. You know, the first thing that you'll see if you do download the checklist is like, what are the absolute must do tasks? in every given year while pursuing PSLF. And this is a direct response from our client, her like pro tip, we're calling them. She said, start early because most people have no reported income in the year before starting residency. So the first year of payments are essentially zero, but still count towards your 120 total payments. Your second year, you only report six months of income. So your payments are also very low. Also, if you aren't like in training right now and you're in attending, don't worry, you can do this retroactively. I'll talk about that here in a second as well. And then another task, like most important, right, task to do from our client, just make your income-driven repayment plans monthly. Make sure you're in a qualifying repayment plan. And then annually, you must update and certify your income and employment. So you ought to make sure that you're doing that on an annual basis. And so the next step with that, once you figure out your employer qualifies, you're in the appropriate repayment plan. And once again, all this is spelled out in that checklist if you wanna go grab it. What we would recommend and what we've helped our clients do is just like anything else in life, like whether you're treating a payment, uh, patient and you put them on a you know prescription action plan, right? Just build a system and get organized. <laughs> like it's, it sounds simple, right? So you could use, if you're old school, you could use like a paper base, like a file. We recommend using like, we use box.com for our clients. It's like a cloud server. You could use Google Drive or whatever. But within that system, you need to identify your IDR anniversary date. And I will say too, um, all of this and what I'm sharing right now, I have to give the credit uh, to studentaid.gov. We did not make, like we just scoured studentaid.gov um, to make, and it was a little overwhelming, so I can understand why anybody trying to figure it out on their own 
would also be overwhelming uh, to you know bring this hopefully valuable insight. So this is all from student.gov. I give them full credit, but gather your IDR anniversary date. If you can't find that, I would recommend reaching out directly to student.gov, giving them a call, but that's essentially just the, your anniversary date of your income-driven repayment plan. plan. And then what we would recommend, build an accountability. Maybe it's a part like an accountability partner, like your spouse. Maybe you have a friend who's an attending or a colleague, or you want to use Siri or whatever it is. So build like a ping reminder system three months prior to your anniversary date to give you enough time to get ready for everything. And I'll explain what it looks like. So this is our, so give yourself a full quarter to get ready. And then what we recommend is one that like little reminder goes off, whether you use Siri or you put it in your calendar annually, three months in advance to your IDR date. We recommend, so giving yourself 30 days to get everything organized. And then we recommend submitting your recertifications of your income and employer two months prior to that recertification date so you don't miss a qualifying payment. And a pro tip from our client on that is if you wait until the last minute to recertify your income, you might be at risk of missing a qualifying payment as you go into deferment while they process your new payment schedule for the upcoming year. So for example, if you waited to the last minute of your IDR date, and you did it 10 years in a row, you might think you're at 120 qualifying payments, but let's say you were in deferment for a month, a year, it would take you an additional 10 months to get to the 120 payments. So that's something that we weren't aware of. Like our client actually brought this to our attention. So definitely be organized, be on time, be early and submitting everything prior to like two months in advance. I think, you know, we feel would give you plenty of time. Of course, it's up to student.gov and their processing times and things like that. So I don't want to take any liability for that. And to do this and student.gov has a great free tool called the PSLF help tool. So you can just Google PSLF help tool and go through it. Or you can go to student.gov forward slash PSLF and it will bring you right to the help tool there. I have more, but let me pause one second. Do you have any like additional questions with where we're at? You had mentioned that you have to be a 501c3 corporation employee to be able to qualify for this. Does that incorporate most nonprofit hospitals, clinics, I would imagine so. And I don't want to like speak on behalf of like how okay. a, a hospital sy- healthcare system is built or like established. And because we do have like some clients, they might be like a for profit hospital. So that would not count for PSLF. Okay. Also, too, and what we discovered, like let's say all of your payments counted in training or like the last three years during COVID, like all payments should count as long as you go back and do the retroactive recertification. We've found that you can, let's say you're at a, nonprofit and it qualifies, you can work there for four years. And if you leave for a year for a fellowship and then go back, you can, you can get back on schedule. So you can like leave and go back too. Yeah. That's what we uncovered in our research from uh, studentaid.gov as well. So they don't all have to be consecutive. You can go back and get on schedule. Interesting. And once again, this is from our research on studentaid.gov. I don't want to say I'm a hundred percent like accurate. Sure. This process will hundred percent guarantee, like I can't make any promises, but this is just what we, you know, from what we've gathered from our client. But yeah, great question. And I would definitely just say, gather your W-2 from the previous year. If you're first year working there and you don't have one from your current employer, just reach out to human resources. And once again, ask them for that EIN number. And then go to that Google, the PSLF employer search tool and just copy and paste it in there, type it in. And they should be able to in there, let you know. And once again, if you have any more 
specific questions, I would reach out directly to studentaid.gov if you can't, you know, if you're having any difficulties with it. I imagine they're a little busy the last few months, so you might have to be on wait for a little while, but. I'm sure. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Any other pro tips regarding PSLF? I would say, I know I touched on the retroactive approach. So like if you haven't done anything for student aid or sorry, for PSLF and let's say you're in your second year as an attending, as long as you're at a 501c3, like your employer qualifies during training and they are saying that all payments during COVID should have counted, even though they were zero, you know, zero payments there, you can use that PSLF help tool. We actually had a a client who's a second year attending just do this about a month ago a month or two ago. You can use that PSLF help tool. Once again, just Google PSLF help tool. It's on studentaid.gov. And you can go back and do it retroactively. And one thing that we figured out, every time you use the PSLF help tool, like an authorized official needs to sign off on it. (laughs) But if you're anything like me, I have no clue what an authorized official is. So we found out it's um, just an authorized official is someone I'm reading this who has access to your employment or service records and is approved by your employer to certify your employment. This is usually someone in your human resources department, though in some cases your direct supervisor or another person may be authorized to certify your employment. So I would reach out to uh, human resources and just you know ask them their advice or opinion on how to get that authorized signature. Another pro tip from our client is just income verif- verification must be submitted annually. I know we already touched on this. Certification of employment can be done at any time. The more frequently certification of employment is submitted, the easier it is to track your progress. Ideally, I would recommend doing it annually. Some employers allow you to do this directly through Workday so that your employee benefits through Workday. You can go directly through there at the very least to be sure to complete it before leaving an an organization and starting a new job. So that was a pro tip from our client. One other thing is we absolutely would recommend building some type of contingency plan. I always joke like, you know, who the heck knows who's going to be president if you're 10 years away, it could be Kanye's son or whatever. (laughs) But, you know, the rules could change, right? So if you were depending solely on PSLF and then all of a sudden they got rid of it or something changed in eight or 10 years, like that would be a total bummer. So our client who had their loans forgiven in June had a contingency plan. They were just putting money away into a high yield savings account equivalent to what their loan balance was. So they gave themselves a timeline of how much they had to have saved to be able to wipe it. And they started putting that away monthly. And then from there, they had like a, you know, a two way go was either the loans were forgiven or they were just going to wipe it with their own cash. And luckily their loans were forgiven. So they were able to redirect that towards more important goals for their family going forward. And then the last thing I would touch on with PSLF is just what to expect when you get to 120 payments. And this primarily came directly from uh, our client's feedback, but it's essentially 90 days and 90 days. (laughs) So 90 days, they'll take, so yeah, you've waited 10 years and now you have like six months of being nervous, basically, and I can imagine it's just a very overwhelming experience. But 90 days to confirm that all 120 payments are accounted for. So you want to go through and submit everything once you get to 120 payments. And then they'll get back to you sometime in 90 days. So I would recommend being proactive, maybe call studentaid.gov like once a month just to kind of see where you're at. And then after, if they say yes, and all loans are accounted for and count, it's an additional 90 days to actually have the forgiveness process. So once again, 
just a, a little bit more of a, a nerve wracking probably experience. And once again, this is just our viewpoint from a client, one client who had their loans forgiven. So maybe it's a little different, but I imagine they follow a pretty similar process for everybody. And one pro tip is you must be working full time for a qualifying employer at the time you submit the form. And when the balance remaining balance is on, on your loan is forgiven. So you can't get to 120 payments and like jump ship and go private practice or just stop working. Like continue to be working that whole like six month time frame. It's and then enough. our client actually found out that their loans were forgiven. They didn't like, they eventually, I think they got a letter or an email or a call or something, but they just logged into studentaid.gov and just saw zero balance. What a <laughs> so good day. Like, yeah. Right? So I would just recommend during that whole pro- like six month time period, just be proactive, reach out to studentaid.gov maybe once a month and just make sure you're being diligent. And then once again, you know, if not all 120 payments count, I would just ask them or you can always reach out to us as well about just how you can make your, you know, what, what you can do to correct course, right. And have a plan going forward. So yeah, that's, we get even more in depth in that PSLF checklist. So I would definitely recommend that you guys, if you get an opportunity, download it. And that's just at info.imwealth, letter I, letter M, wealth.com forward slash PSLF. And it's hundred percent free. And hopefully our goal with giving away free things like that is just hopefully you get value out of it. So yeah, I don't, I don't, any other questions about PSLF? I, I've learned a lot in the last six months about it. That's for sure. <laughs> Sounds like it. Now, for those who aren't employed you know, by a 501c3, maybe they own their own practice or work for a for-profit agency. How commonly mm-hmm. do you see people doing debt consolidation or trying to get better interest rates after the fact on their loans? Yeah. And I'm not necessarily an expert in the consolidation side, and I'll be the first to admit that. But I will say it so much of it, and I guess I could have touched on this with PSLF as well. So much of it just depends on the world, the economy, interest rates, things like that. So for example, 2020, around the time of COVID, even a little bit pre-COVID, we had a ton of clients that were considering PSLF, but because interest rates were like 2 3%, we had a ton of clients who refinanced their loans during that time period just to get to a you know a spot where their interest rates instead of being six, seven, eight, nine were like two to three percent. So once again, too, you got to keep in mind if you you might be planning on going PSLF, but things could change in you know the government, the economy, inflation rates, etc. So once I I would say once again, it's very individualized, but I would encourage everybody to have, you know, just, just have a, some type of plan, right? Whether you're going to take the PSLF route with a contingency plan, or you're going to take the, you know, the DIY, I'm going to, you know, do it on my own style and just stay up to date with what's going on and the government, the economy, interest rates, inflation. And then I would also say, you know, talk to your team of advisors, your, you know, accountant, financial advisor, us, whoever, Tammy, whoever it might be about like, Based on what's happening right now, like what do you think we could do uh, to, you know, best? Does it, does refinancing make sense? Does consolidating make sense? Does just maybe taking the PSLF route make sense? So I just, you know, stay aware and up to date, and then you can constantly check. You know, maybe you're not going through like the underwriting process, but you could, you know, SoFi Laurel Road. You can constantly, you know, once a quarter look at their website and see what they're thinking interest rates might be, and just make a decision there about if it makes sense or not. Once again, hard for me to give specific advice on that, but hopefully that was helpful. Absolutely. 
Well, I am hoping that you'll join me again and maybe we can talk more. I, I just love your approach about deciding what your values are. What's important today? What are you looking for tomorrow? And I would love to have you back on the show to talk more about your approach to financial planning. I would absolutely love that. This is so much fun. And, you know, it's super cool for me to do something, you know, do something like this and kind of all the growth I've experienced as an entrepreneur in my 20s and stage fright and sweating and doing things <laughs> like what I'm doing right now to be able, you know, to be able, and I always joke, you know, as an entrepreneur, we kind of went through like med school and residency just because you're a financial advisor doesn't mean you wake up with a, <laughs> a ton of money in your pocket, right? Like you got to, you got to go through the process. So anyways, yeah, I'm super grateful just to be here with you today. And for, like I said, at the beginning, anybody who's listening, I know your time and attention is the most valuable thing you have. So if you made it to this point, <laughs> thank you very much for being here. I, I absolutely appreciate it. Any other words of advice? I don't know, just about student loans in general, working through debt, you know, management in general, just anything that you'd like to share? Yeah. One thing that I was going to um, share earlier, but we just got talking and it didn't happen. It's kind of just like a little bit of a perspective shift about just how you view your loans. And I, I personally believe, and I try to share this with our clients too, that student loans are an investment back into yourself. There really aren't like many, I forget the exact number you said earlier of average student loans, but let's call it two hundred dollars to $400,000 investments that can give you an ROI of eight to 15 million over the course of a, you know, a career. And with almost little, like, of course there's risks if you couldn't work or anything like that, but with little to no like market risk, like, you know, things that are outside of your control. I definitely like to share that like, it's an investment back into you, right? And I think, you know, one of the most important principles that I've learned even as a financial advisor is like you have to invest in yourself and your whole life success first. And you as a physician invested a ton into your skills as becoming a clinician. And now you have an ROI that's going to pay you as long as you're continuing able to continue to do what you do uh, for, you know, for the rest of your life. So try to take that approach, which I know is a little bit difficult when they're hanging over your head, but it truly is like an investment into you. And one last thing, if you don't want to take it from me, I always love this quote, Warren Buffett, who I'm sure most of you know, the most, probably the most successful investor in the world history, American history, whatever. I always share this quote. It's like, don't take it from me, take it from Warren that, you know, he says investing in yourself is the most important investment you'll ever make in your life. There's no financial investment that'll ever match it because if you develop more skill, more ability, more insight, more capacity, that's what's going to really provide economic freedom. It's those skill sets that make that happen. So you've already done that in your skills as a clinician, now in your student loans. So try to view that as a, an investment in you and then identify other areas of your life that you may need help. And I would say just be open. It's hard for me to like, just be open to being coachable by others. Like if, if you're having a hard time with your taxes and you're banging your head against your computer with tax season coming up, like find a capable CPA or same with us. If you are taking time away from being with your kids, trying to figure out money, like hire someone that can help you get in the right direction. I always say if, you know, if Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Serena Williams, I just Googled it before this, like Beyonce had a vocal coach, like if they all can do it, <laughs> so can you and maybe try to, you know, view your life like the same as like the people in society that we admire, like they all surround themselves with a capable team to help them accomplish the mission. I love that. 
And I'd never really thought about the student loan being an investment and the ROI that you get from that, but it really does kind of help you change your mindset a little bit. Like, okay, this isn't just, you know, thousands of dollars going out every month. You're actually getting more than that back in the return on investment. So I like that. Totally. Yeah. Thank you. And I think we we just find in a lot in our industry as financial advisors, so many people just get caught up in like the bottom line dollars and cents or like the returns they're getting when money is so much deeper below the surface, like from how you were raised as a human. Right. So I really encourage everybody to create time and space with people that help you make decisions like your spouse and partner and to have difficult questions, conversation. And it's not easy for me either. Like my girlfriend, Steph and I, like we argue about money. Like it's, it's still like, just be, I'm not perfect because I do this, but creating time and space and allowing yourself to be coachable and understanding why, like what triggers you about money, right? There's certain like little trigger points too. So I definitely recommend try to take just a more introspective approach of why you are the way you are about money and those that are most important to you, why they are the way they are. And then I think that can help and not get so focused up on the dollars and cents, which of course help, but in the grand scheme of thing, it's all about living life, creating experiences and yeah. I might have to have you back for a marriage counseling show because I think you really just hit on one of the the things that probably affects marriages more than anything is coming from different perspectives of, you know, what's important with finance. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that's, I'm happy to do that anytime. (laughs) (laughs) What we see typically like our most successful clients, like both, both husband and wife or partners, right. Have two feet in the door. They're both all in and committed. And then they create the time and space to do it, whether it's with an unbiased third party like us or some of my favorite clients, shout out Todd Spencer. (laughs) You know, he shared with me once that him and his uh, wife, Amy, you know, they every Sunday look at their calendars for the month ahead and try to schedule like a little 30 minute. And they like, we facilitate conversations for them, but they have little like 30 minute meetings, like once or twice a month about money, finances, difficult topics, right? So I think that's truly what it takes is just like creating the time and space. And sometimes I'll, I'll, I know I'm I'm going here, but I'll I'll keep going for one more sec. I don't know if you've ever heard of the law of familiarity, but sometimes we're too close to those within our family or our loved ones to be able to like take advice. So like us men out there, like how many times have you told your wife to do something and you're like, she just won't listen to me, right? Because I'm saying this because I've done it a hundred times. And I always use the example, I tried training my girlfriend, Steph, at the gym about two, two and a half years ago. And it wasn't like 27 days that she wished my head was a kickboxing bag and it was a (laughs) kickboxing class because like me correcting her form and telling her what to do was like driving her nuts. But now we joined, we hired a trainer and got a class. So once again, that law of familiarity, sometimes we're too close and we need like an, even if I said the same thing, an outside third party could say the same exact thing, but it would be received differently from like, you know, so you could be the best nutritionist in the world, but your spouse might not listen to you about nutrition <laughs> just because so you're too close. Right. And I learned that from Darren Hardy. I don't know if you guys know Darren Hardy, but he's a success mentor. He's got some great books and podcasts and things like that out there. So as it relates to money too, I think that can be very similar or even like marriage counseling, whatever. Like if you have an outside third party facilitating conversations versus you trying to do it, I truly think that can make a ton of difference. Anyways, I'm so good advice. We could, we could have a whole other podcast on this 
And once again, <laughs> I only have learned this from seeing our client success and from learning it the hard way myself. <laughs> I am far from perfect. Once again, money is still difficult for my business partner, Jeff, and I a lot as well. It's an interesting topic, but it's fun. And I appreciate all of you being here and having a growth, growth mindset to get better. Absolutely. Well, if anyone like me loves your mindset, the way you approach this, how would they get in touch with you, James? Absolutely. So I am on Instagram, newly on Instagram. So it's James Nutter underscore I am wealth is my handle. You can always reach out to me or send me an email, james at imwealth.com. And then we also offer free financial wellness diagnostics to essentially assess the current state of your financial health. So you could send me an email or you could go on imwealth.com and you can book one directly on there. And those are 100% free. And I also would encourage every, everybody, if you know if PSLF is a consideration for you, absolutely go to that info.imwealth.com forward slash PSLF or reach out to Tammy. She's awesome. And I'd be, if anyone listening today wants to connect for a quick phone call and just ask questions, I'd be more than happy to do so. James, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You gave way more information about PSLF than, than I even thought possible. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And yeah, thank you to our client. If you listen to this and thank you also to student.gov because, you know, we didn't, <laughs> we had to do a lot of research to figure all this out. So hopefully it, you know, it works for you and appreciate it. And that, like I said, that checklist will go way more in depth. Well, thanks to everyone for listening. I hope you'll tune in again next week for Grand Rounds. As we wrap up, remember, freed.ai is here to free you from medical documentation. It's HIPAA compliant, takes 30 seconds to learn, and is incredibly affordable. Join the movement to eliminate clinician burnout. Visit freed.ai and improve your lifestyle. You can try Freed for free right now by going to freed.ai. Listeners of Financial Residency can use the FR50 coupon code for $50 off the first month. 